You're listening to Teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. want to begin by just extending a special welcome. I see we have a lot of visitors with us in the room today. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. If you are tuning in and joining us online, we're glad you chose to worship with us this morning as well. Thank you so much. Uh, we count it an honor that you would participate with us even online as we continue on in our worship service this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I go by Ant. I serve as the pastor here at Midtown Two Notch. We're continuing on in our series that we're calling For Our Good Always. Again, for our good, always. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and go to that verse in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get started heading to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll get started at verse 16. This sermon series that we're in, that we're calling For Our Good Always, we're looking at how God, how we we see God uh, showing us how he views morality how he views what is right and what is wrong. And one of the things that we made a point, especially early in the series, to say is that God has a vision for human flourishing that often has categories for morality that we might not often embrace or live in ourselves. So we looked at five different kind of global moral foundations, ways that people view and understand right and wrong. And the goal for this series is that we would all see that God is wiser than we are, that he is always for our good and that we might trust him even when what he calls us to as far as morality goes is different from what we naturally understand or what we naturally ascribe to. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, I'll read it again. It reads, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And all the parents in the room said, and amen. This particular passage, obviously, it tells us to honor our father and our mother. I want to explain a little bit about about the context, because it also says that your days may be long in the land, basically, that the Lord Lord your God is giving you. So this was, if if you've been with us, you're probably familiar with this already. I've said it a few times, that these commandments, the Ten Commandments, were given to God's people when they were on their way to the promised land. Right? He had just freed them from slavery in Egypt. He had just saved them from slavery. He's, he's getting them to the promised land. He's letting them know, hey, with this command in particular, which is the only command that comes with a promise with it, with this command in particular, he says, if you obey this one, then you'll be able to stay in the land that I have promised you, the, the promised land. He had promised it to their forefathers, to, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. But before they got into the land, he let them know, hey, if you follow me, you'll be able to stay in this land. You'll prosper in this land of blessing. You'll be free to, to worship me and me alone without other oppressors causing you to worship their gods. But and he points to this one specifically and says, if you obey this one, you'll stay in the land that I have promised you. The whole reason they were freed from Egypt was that they might go and have somewhere where they can worship God and God alone, as they weren't able to do that when they were in Egypt. They had to worship Pharaoh and all these other false gods. And God is saying that if you honor your father and mother, that you will be able to stay in this land. This means this is an incredibly important command. 
that there's probably more to it than we often think about as we think of this command. Let's look into the word honor for a second. It means to, to give weight to something. It means to, to, in this context, to respect the role, the office, and the position of a parent. It means to give appropriate weight, especially for those of us who had parents who tried really hard to serve and love us and provide for us and take care of us. The Apostle Paul, you know, he expounds on this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 4, which is potentially the most popular passage in the Bible on parenting, where he reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's his command. Then he quotes the, the commandment, the fifth commandment in, in the Old Testament. Honor your father and mother. He says, this is the first command with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. He goes on to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up <clears throat> excuse me, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. <clears throat> so he calls children specifically to obey their parents. So the command in the Old Testament, honor your father and mother, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the first command with promise. This is a part of God's bigger picture, God's overall goal for how to, to, to influence and produce and cultivate human flourishing. And a lot of it starts with parents, with children, he says, obeying their parents. He wants parents to be a loving authority figure in the lives of their kids that bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He expects children to obey their parents. Children learn in the home from their parents where they're not submitting to authorities is a good thing. This is to be learned in the home. God's design is for parents to lead in a way that's godly by being loving authority figures. And again, children submitting to them. So parents in the room, God has given you authority over your children that you would steward in a way that molds and shapes them. I'll say that again. God has given you authority. He has delegated authority to you in your home over your children that you are to steward in a way that molds and shapes them. Very popular verse on this topic, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, train up a child in, a way, in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training involves discipline. Training involves disciplining someone to do things, oftentimes that they don't want to do or they wouldn't do, or you're not training and disciplining them at this time, you are training them to achieve the desired end or the, the desired goal that God has for our children. I'll give you a couple of things that come to my mind when I think about training children. I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but I believe one of the things that looks like is giving your children clear instruction and expectation. Clear instruction based on God's word. What, what does God desire for the lives of your children? Giving very clear instruction and expectation. Also giving your children clear and honest feedback on how they're doing at meeting those expectations. And I mean good or bad feedback. Honest feedback. Hey, you're doing a good job in this. This is an area that you need to grow in. Giving your children clear and honest feedback on how they're doing at meeting those expectations. And then if your children are defiant or if they're openly choosing not to obey you, you want to give your children appropriate consequences that cause them to regret being defiant towards you. You want to give your children appropriate consequences that cause them to regret being defiant towards you. And on the other hand, if your children are doing a great job, then you want to try to give them, if you are able to, some type of reward that causes them to enjoy following you and following your instruction and doing what you have called them to do. God calls us to train up our children. I think a lot of the times where this can be difficult for a lot of parents is uh, a lot of parents, I feel like we, we often try to shape the path for our children instead of shaping our children for the path. 
You understand what I'm saying? That we oftentimes want to make our children's lives and manipulate the, 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 the difficulties that they, that they have to endure, which honestly, and there's some, to be fair, there's many ways that we should do that, but we can, we can go too far in that direction when we want to make our children's lives too easy, thus so our children can, can be able to endure what happens in this life instead of training our children to be able to persevere and endure through the difficulties of this life. Our, our, our role as parents is not primarily to shape, to shape the path or shape the world such that our children don't experience difficulty because that type of difficulty and suffering is, is unavoidable in this world. But we want to be training our children that they may be able to not only deal with this world, but live in a way that honors and glorifies God. Now, in this command to children to obey, there's one caveat that we see back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This obedience is to be in the Lord. He is not calling children to obey their parents to do things that, that, are, that are not glorifying to God or go against God's statutes and his commands. He's being very clear. Obey them in the Lord. So long as what they're calling you to do is biblical, is godly, is not against what God has for us, he expects children to obey. And obviously this is for our good. Parents being strong and loving authority figures in their children's lives in a way that is aligned with what God has for us is good for us all. Children learning to submit to and honor those that are in authority over them is good for us. It's good for them. It's good for the parents. It is good for all of us. It is good for a society to have children that, that follow godly parenting and submit to and obey that. To try to communicate that point with just one example, because again, I don't have a lot of time to spend on this one. I was listening to a, a Christian. He was a, he's a family counselor. He deals a lot with, with parents who are having difficulty with their children. One of the things he says, um, and again, not to, to talk just to moms or whatever, but this one stood out to me. He said, one of the things he often tells moms is that you need to make sure your son knows to respect the rules and boundaries of a woman. You need to make sure that your son understands that, grasps that, is used to that. You don't want your son leaving the house thinking that he does without having the, the habitual practice of, of submitting to and falling in line with the, the boundaries set by a woman. He often encourages mothers to be firm with their sons in a way that's appropriate and continue to be potentially increasingly firm until you are confident that that's something your son does. That's just one example for me to make the point. This is good for us all when children grow up knowing how to submit to authority. When children grow up knowing how to obey, even when they don't desire to do so. And he's giving parents a lot of responsibility in helping to train our children up so that they know how to honor their father and mother. And that on, on a bigger scale, they know how to submit to the authority that God puts over them. And that we as parents might do this in a way that is, that is loving to our children. Not in a way that's selfish, not in a way that's just trying to get them off of our nerves, but in a way that is leading them towards God as they obey their parents in the Lord. One thing also about this passage that I think we often miss is when you think about who is the audience, this is something you should always ask when you're reading a text in the Bible. Who is the audience? Who is this command given to? Right? All the Ten Commandments are given to the people of God. Hopefully you've heard that if you've been with us throughout this series. I think oftentimes we look at this particular commandment and think he's talking to children out of all the ten. The commandment is to honor your father and your mother. We look at the other nine commandments, oh, he's probably talking to the adults. Look at this commandment, oh, he's talking to children. This command, like all the others, is given more so to adults, I would say, 
than children. The, the, the adults obviously will be able to hear and understand what God is saying more clearly than the children. Obviously, it applies to children as well. We see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, with what Paul is doing with this particular passage. But I would say he's primarily addressing adults with this command. He is primarily requesting adults who have parents who obviously are older. And I hope this grabs your attention that this is in one of the top, this is in the top 10 list. This command given largely to adults to honor their father and their mother. So I just want to give a few ways what that might look like as we just maybe a quick biblical survey on what, what this could look like on how to honor your adult parents. One of those ways is to listen to them. One of those ways is to listen to them and how do we how we honor our parents, even as adults. Proverbs 23, 22. This is Solomon writing to his sons. Listen to your mother who gave you life and do not despise, sorry, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. He's saying when your mother is old, likely talking to them about when you are an adult, he says, listen to your father, do not despise your mother. Job chapter 12, verse 12 says, wisdom is with the aged and understanding in length of days saying those who are older than us have wisdom and understanding that we would benefit from, listening, seeking advice from those who have gone before us, realizing that they likely know a lot of things that we don't know yet, learning from those that came before us as a, as a, as a pastor and as, as someone who does a lot of teaching, one of the things that is most honoring to me, and you may, may not even, even realize this, is that the, the fact that people will continue to come and listen to, as I continue to preach God's word is honoring. I, I feel honored that people will continue to, to feel blessed by it and continue to come. I wonder sometimes if, our, if those who are older than us, and I'm saying this largely because we're, we're, very, we're an incredibly young church, sometimes I wonder if we even honor those that we know that are around us by listening, by seeking counsel and advice. My fear is that for those of us that are millennials and younger, that when it comes to our elders, we're more aware of what, of what they can learn from us about technology than, than we are aware of the wisdom that we can gain from them and learn from them. The things that Google can't teach us. The lessons of life, the, the advice that they can give us that we can't find in five seconds, like all the information that we can find as we search through the internet. I want to just be honest with us. I believe oftentimes we don't listen to and we don't honor our father and our mother because of a youthful arrogance that we have. I've long thought that my generation seems to value the, the, the wisdom of an empowering social media post or, or info on Google, honestly, more than, and, and we often value our own gut level instincts more than we value the wisdom of those who have gone before us. It's easy to point out how middle schoolers and high schoolers think they know everything and think they don't need to, to listen to their parents. That's easy to see. It's easy to point out. But I feel like that's something we've carried from 13 to 30 in our lives. I feel like that's something that we have carried with us that we believe, maybe it's because of the information age. We have so much information that is available to us that, that we, don't, we don't value the hard-earned wisdom that many who have gone before us have to offer us. And we don't value, we, we, we want to dismiss their thoughts. So they're, 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 they should be pushed aside. We believe that we know more. Things are progressing now. Yeah, those things might have been important then, but we've progressed beyond that now. I feel we don't honor our father and our mother because our youthful arrogance causes us not to listen. 
We go on and on about how difficult adulting is, but then we don't seek the wisdom of those who've been doing it decades longer than us. We go on and on about adulting. I don't have a blueprint for this. How do I, how do, I do this? This is difficult. And God has sent us wisdom. He has sent us those who know more than we know. He calls us to honor our father and our mother. But this, this arrogance keeps us from, from listening, from holding their, their counsel and advice in high regard keeps us from heeding their advice. Now, obviously, no one gives perfect advice all the time, but we still miss out so much on so many blessings, I believe, as we don't honor our parents when we disregard them and the wisdom that they offer us. First way I brought up to honor our father and mother is to to listen, but also how to honor our parents is to revere them, to revere them. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3 says, every one of you, so this is another command that God gives to his people, says, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord, your God. To revere is to feel deep respect and admiration for. To feel deep respect and admiration for. God calls his people to have a deep respect and admiration for their mother and father. The older I've gotten, the more I've come to realize that my parents put an incredible amount of work into caring for me. I mean, an incredible amount of work. They've sacrificed so many things for me. And if my experience as a parent for the last nine years is any indication, there are so many things that I'm sure they wanted to do, but they chose not to because of me. There were so many things that were available to them that they could have enjoyed, but they chose not to because they prioritized caring for me. There is so much rest and fun that they sacrifice for me. There's so much, I'll say my experience this way. I've learned this recently, probably more so in the last two or three years. I have a high amount of value for a quiet and relatively clean house. Relatively, I just have a high amount of value for, and this is a small thing in a list of, of sacrifice, but that's one thing that I, is a reminder consistently of me. I am saying no to the quiet that I desire to have. I am saying no to the cleanliness that I desire to have because my children, amen, my children are in need of my care, my time, my love, my effort, my energy. There's so much energy that is sacrificed. I know by myself and others who are parents in the room, and I, I wonder, do we revere our parents for what they sacrifice for us? Do we feel deep respect and admiration for them? Now, obviously, none of us have perfect parents. Your parents weren't perfect. My parents weren't perfect. But for the vast majority of us, showing reverence to them is really an obvious, appropriate thing for us to do. I'm not saying your parents are perfect. I'm saying but if you actually thought through and considered everything that they have done for us, showing reverence for them and to them is really an obvious, an obviously appropriate, excuse me, thing for us to do. But the truth is, oftentimes we don't do this because we aren't nearly as grateful to our parents as we should be. For many of us, our tendency is to think more about the ways that our parents may have hurt us or wronged us or sinned against us than we think about the ways that they have blessed us and taken care of us. And to be fair, parents can do a lot of harm to children. That's a very true thing. Parents can do a lot of harm to children. 
But parents doing harm to children does not negate all of the good things and all of the blessings that they have given to us. Just like, just like all the blessings that they have given to us does not negate the wrong things that our parents may have done to us, but neither negates the other. Both are true. Both are true. And specifically, I think for millennials and Gen Zers, many of us now, we, we, we uh, oftentimes in a very helpful way, many of us now are in a process of understanding and growing and processing our lives and things that happened to us, which is causing us to think back on our childhood, oftentimes in a way that's somewhat critical towards our parents. Right? And I'm not saying learning to process our, our, our lives and our childhood is bad. I'm not saying that's bad at all. I think oftentimes that is very good. But if we're truly going to process what has happened to us, if we're truly going to acknowledge what's happened to us, there's two sides to it. There's a side of all the blessing that we have received from our parents and all the good that has happened. And there's a side of potentially the negative things that have happened to us as well. So if we're going to truly process what's going on in our lives for our own health, for our own mental and emotional health, we need to process every aspect of it. And I fear... I fear that oftentimes what we focus on, what we hone in on is the negative with our parents. And so we are robbing ourselves of gratitude. It's like we're trying to pursue our own emotional health while robbing ourselves of gratitude, while robbing ourselves of the opportunity to be, to be thankful and to be grateful. I feel as if oftentimes the younger generations were so ungrateful, so ungrateful. We don't honor our father and mother because we're just ungrateful. I don't know if it's because we, we're we feel entitled to so many things. We feel like so many things should be given to us because we deserve this and we deserve that. Whatever it is, we, we are so ungrateful oftentimes to our parents who have sacrificed so much for us. And if that is true of us, we need to repent. And if that is true of us, we need to turn away from, from the sin of, of not being grateful. We need to turn away from the sin of not honoring our father and mother. And we need to turn in God and say, God, I see this command in the Bible, and I see that this is for my good, that honoring my father and mother, revering my father and mother is for my good. As it is said, as the Apostle Paul said, is it's the only command with promise. That embedded in this command, if God has in view, hey, this will be good for you. This will go well for you. This is a beneficial thing for you to do to honor them, to be grateful to them. With that said, I believe Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 actually expands upon this, this how we think about honoring our father and our, and our mother. I think he does it indirectly, but I find it to still be incredibly helpful. Matthew chapter 12, I'll just look at verses 46 through 48. So Jesus is, 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 is teaching at this point, as he often does. He starts teaching, a crowd comes around. Check out what happens, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, this is Jesus' reply, who is my mother and who are my brothers? So a man comes and says, your mother and your brothers are here. I want, I want to talk to you. And he's like, who's my mother and my brother? Verse 49, and stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus is pointing to the fact, obviously, that to follow him has become a part of God's family. We've become family now. We're adopted into God's family, which we talk about a lot at, at our church. And I often talk about how that means we're now brothers and sisters together in the faith. But Jesus takes it a little bit a step further that almost made me uncomfortable when I read it. He said, this is also, my mother is here. 
And I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, Jesus, what is he, what, what is he talking about? He's opening this door to us seeing each other as more than just brother and sister in the context of our family relationship and being in the family of God. And that's, that's, this is not the only time that this happens in Scripture. It also happens in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. In the context, if you're familiar with, with this part of 1 Timothy, in chapter 5 and the beginning of, of, of chapter 6, he's talking about how, who we are to honor, who we are to give honor to. What does it look like to honor others in the family of God? This is what he says in, in verse 1 and verse 2, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a what? Younger men as brothers, older women as what? Younger women as sisters in all purity. He's saying those who are significantly older than us in the body should be in some ways treated as fathers and mothers in our church family. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 12. The apostle Paul talks about it here in 1 Timothy chapter 5. The call here is to honor those that are older than us who are in the faith. And to break down that text a little bit, if you're familiar with that Greek word for rebuke, that's really the only time this word rebuke is used uh, in the Bible. So oftentimes there's a different word that's used that's interpreted rebuke. The New American Standard Bible actually interprets this uh, word in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, as harshly rebuke. When it says, do not harshly rebuke an older man, the point is this is a, this is a harsh term. It's a term that means to chastise. It's a term that when literally can mean to strike or to hit. In this context, it means in, in, you know, in the way that we rebuke or harshly rebuke someone. What's his point? He's saying, hey, the older, he's telling Timothy, the older men that are there, don't don't rebuke them in a way that's overly harsh, but encourage them like you're talking to your dad. He says, encourage them like you're talking to your father. Honor them, the older saints that are among you. He's saying, honor them. Same thing for the older woman. He says, honor them. Talk to them like you would talk to your mother. Don't be overly harsh in the way that you rebuke them. The church is, is called to be a place where those that are older are honored and highly esteemed. I go as far as to say this is how God designed his world to work, that those who are older, those who have more wisdom than us, they're, they're to be esteemed highly, to be very valued. He says this should be true for the church, that this is a very God-glorifying thing. Some of you grew up in a church culture. Let me know if this, if this resonates with you. Where there were a certain group of people, I don't even know if this was an official designation, but everybody knew there's a certain group of people called the church mothers in the church. Church mothers in the church, right? Whether or not it was, whether or not it was official, everybody knew. Everybody knew. And what was this? This was a way of being intentional about honoring the women in the church who were older, who had more wisdom, who, who had grown, who had followed Christ longer. It was a way of honoring them. This is a very biblical thing to do as long as it's handled well and in a way that's in, in, in accordance with the scriptures that we are to honor those who have gone before us. Part of our problem is we live in an age when many young people see older people as out of touch and out of touch in the way. And as the people of God, we oftentimes have adopted the world's mentality on this. And many young Christians think that older Christians are preventing us from doing real ministry. I'm gonna say that again. Many younger Christians think many older Christians are preventing us from doing real ministry. As a very young church, and we don't see that as much here because we're just an incredibly, once again, an incredibly young church. But there are churches where the younger generation despises the traditions of the older generation. I was talking to one, one pastor. He's, a, he's one of the pastors in a, in a, in a pretty big church. And, the, you know, they have two, uh, two different services. Uh, one is more contemporary, one's more traditional. And he says on, on the, he told me on the surface, 
um, technically speaking, we're one church, we have two different services. He says, but actually when he comes down to it, practically speaking, we're pretty much two churches at this point. He says, we're pretty much a younger church and an older church. The younger church has a way of doing worship, a way of doing fellowship, a way of communicating all those things. And they don't really have a lot of dealings with the older generation. And it goes back and forth. And I believe a large part of the reason that that is the case is because the older generation does not honor, if I can use this term, the mothers and fathers of the church in our church. That this youthful arrogance leads us to believe that we know what we're doing. They're just being too traditional. They need to get out of the way. They're holding us back. This arrogance, it runs rampant. I want us to look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. It reads, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. And you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. That stand up before the gray head. It's, it, it's a way of the, that they would show recognition and honor. That when they come into the room, he says, you, you should stand up. You, you, should show, you should show the reverence that you have. And I'm connecting this with us in the church, as, as, as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, that those who are older, we should, we should honor as mothers and as fathers. He says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. He said, hey, show respect to those gray hairs. And if I was looking at our generation today, I would say show respect to those gray hairs because we're the reasons they got them. Show respect to those gray hairs that we gave them. Show respect to those gray hairs for all the wisdom, for all the hard-earned wisdom about life and about relationships and in the church context about following Christ and about enduring in him and with him over the long haul. He says, show respect, show honor, be patient with them, listen to them, be grateful to them, be grateful for them. If we can look back at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, one more time. It reads, honor your father and your mother as long as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Here's a quick note about that verse. I don't know if you noticed it already. This fifth command is stated positively, not negatively. What do I mean? The negative way to say this would be don't dishonor your father and mother. That's not what it says. A negative command leads you away from doing wrong things. A positive command is the emphasis is moving you towards doing something good. This is a positive command. He's not just saying, hey, stop doing things that are dishonoring to your mother and father. That's not the command. The command is to show honor to your mother and father, to be proactive, to be intentional about showing honor, to, to consider what things you might do to show honor to your mother, to your father. It's stated positively. It implies that there are things that we can and should be doing to honor those who have gone before us. This is a call to, to proactively be, be doing things that honor our parents. This is a command to be deliberate, to be intentional. So in response to that, I don't believe we should think about repentance primarily in terms of, okay, I'll stop trying to be ungrateful. I don't think we should, we should look at repentance primarily in terms of, okay, I'll try not to do things that are dishonoring to my parents. I think we should think of repentance in terms of what can I do to show honor to my mother and father? What can I do to show honor to the mother figures and the father figures in my life? What can we do to show honor to those who are older within our church family? For some of you, you should just call your parents and tell them thank you. When's the last time you told your parents thank you? If you are able to do so. 
For some of us, that looks like just calling our parents and saying thank you. For some of you, if you want to do more than that, you can write a letter to your parents list, listing things that, that you know they sacrificed for you and expressing appreciation for those things. Or maybe for, for you, maybe you need to cultivate gratitude in your heart. Maybe you, need, maybe you need to make a list just for yourself of things that you know that your parents sacrificed for you. Your imperfect parents, things that they sacrificed for you to just to help cultivate gratitude in your own heart. Maybe you can reach out to father figures and mother figures and express appreciation for them. I think this was about a year or two ago at this point. My, my dad had a, um, a retirement party and they asked me to be uh, one of the people that came and spoke about it. And spoke about him and just shared some things about his life as an encouragement to him. You know, sometimes I feel like I enjoyed that moment as much as he did. Sometimes I feel like I was as blessed by, by being able to do that, by being able to honor him in front of other people as much as he was blessed by. There was something good about something enjoyable. There's something very enjoyable about honoring other people. It's not something that is often very consistently on our minds, but it's something that's very enjoyable. One of the things that my, my life group does is, is that from time to time, we'll just take time and just honor and encourage someone who's in our life group. And man, it's one of the biggest blessings to be able to encourage someone and honor them especially around others who are doing the same thing. It's one of my favorite memories. It was very rewarding to me. It was such a blessing to me. I'm reminded that this command is for our good. I'm reminded that this is a loving command from the heart of God that is good for us, that is good for our children, good for our parents. I'm reminded that honoring our parents is very Christ-like. I'm reminded that when he was on the earth, he said he came not to do his own will, but the will of his father. I'm reminded that in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was looking forward to the cross, as he knew they were about to come and kidnap him and lynch him and take him away to, to crucify him on the cross, I'm reminded that he's praying to his father and he tells his father, not my will, but yours be done. I'm reminded that we are saved because Jesus obeyed this command and honored his father. I'm reminded that we have salvation because of the, the model that our Savior has. That he's the omnipotent one. He's the king of kings. He's the, high, he's the high king of heaven in Revelation. He's the one that's sitting on the throne, and yet he still says, I'm going to honor my father. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to follow him. I'm reminded that this is a very Christ-like thing for us to do, to honor our father and mother, because we were saved because Jesus honored his father. And I'm reminded that in this fifth command, that there was a promise that if they would honor their father and mother, that they would live long in the promised land, live long in the land of blessing that God has for them. And I'm reminded that Jesus, in honoring his father, did not live long in this land that, that he was with us in this life, but he did so that we might be able to live long in our promised land that we might live long in the eternal promised land of blessing where we can worship God freely, uninhibited from sin because he honored his father. May we esteem this command as adults that we might honor our father and our mother knowing that there is a promised land for us that we will be in forever with our father.